When you're building a money service business, you have to think compliance first. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hi, and welcome to the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is Chris with Currency Cloud. Today, I have Jonathan Holland from Curex uh, on the line, and I'd like Jonathan to discuss here the Canadian MSB world. So Jonathan, if you could, to start, uh, give us a little background about yourself and what you're doing over at Curex. Sure. Thanks a lot, Chris, for having me. So essentially, you know, I was looking at going to be an investment banker. I'll just kind of rewind to when I was in university. I went to go be an investment banker. I applied at all the investment banks in Toronto. Nobody really wanted to give me an interview. So I think out of that, I was a little bit salty about it and decided to build a product that would compete in the banking world. And one of the areas that I found to be um, the pain points to be very strong was international wire transfers and exchanging of currencies and that stuff. And we initially started with international students making tuition payments. Uh, we avoided the term money service business, which we're registered as uh, because we were paying educational institutions. So we were trying to kind of go around that route. Quickly realized, you know, I had a hard enough time getting a bank account in Canada let alone getting accounts in, you know, China, India, you know, South Korea, all around the world. So quickly, uh, after about a year, pivoted and decided to help the small businesses that are out there because small businesses in Canada and for most part, a lot of areas in the world are stuck with pretty high fees when they need to exchange currencies, could be upwards of 5%. And when you're a smaller company, they don't really give you access to advanced online platforms because they're deemed as too risky. So what they do is they ask you to walk down to a bank branch and uh, it's just not the greatest experience. And, and we wanted to build a product that essentially helped these businesses out and, and helped kind of the smaller guys. So pivoted to the business market, uh, the business is, you know, starting to take off now. Uh, we're in the process right now of closing our, our seed round of capital, which is exciting for us. And now we're just excited to do our marketing push and really start the growth on this and hopefully reach a lot of these small business owners and help them out. So. That's me in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you said you did mention um, that you've sort of pivoted from education over to small businesses. Now, as I guess you're doing that, what kind of uh, challenges does that face? I guess um, cornering yourself into one pocket and then moving over into uh, you know a bigger industry. Yeah. So essentially, the premise behind the international student idea was initially coming from one of my professors. And that's when I learned about the problem of international payments. Once I learned about the problem, I quickly realized that, like, if you're a registered money service business, the banks don't tend to really want to work with you. Like, it's, it's very challenging to get bank accounts. And when I talked to FinTrack, which is the governing body here in Canada for uh, money transfer businesses, they basically told me if I'm making a tuition payment, I would avoid the term money service business and I could potentially get an account now in Canada so I could operate the business. And um, yeah, basically what ended up happening is I tried to avoid the term and it didn't make sense. I had to pivot. And then now that I'm servicing businesses, I am a registered money service business. So I had to get all of my policies and procedures in order. I had to study and learn about anti-money laundering laws and regulations and counter-terrorist financing stuff and essentially roped in a compliance officer that's been doing this stuff for 25 years. And he's an expert on everything. And he kind of helped me build 
basically automated processes and stuff to make it a lot more efficient and better. And then we just approached every bank we could think of. And finally, we convinced the CEO of a bank called Zag Bank to give us our first ever bank account. And that took about two and a half years to get that. And once we got it, we're kind of up and running, ready to go. So I guess the challenge with the pivot was to answer your question was now that we're a registered money service business, it was just really hard to get a bank account in Canada. Yeah. So I would love to dive a little bit deeper into that as you know, we at Currency Cloud deal with a lot of businesses that go into that route as well, that we see from the outside many challenges on in scoring uh, a bank account in Canada being under the MSP label. Um, so if you could, um, just how you went about the start of uh, having registered as an MSB and going um, to retrieve a bank account as your service. Um, I know there's probably many uh, peaks and valleys there, but if you could just start with going through uh, some of the initial challenges that uh, you faced uh, that you would see as a full industry facing as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I guess the first step is, yeah, you need to get registered as a money service business. That's actually not too onerous. That's pretty easy to set up. Uh, you just go to Fintrack's website. They have an application form. What my advice would be to any new MSB entrants or any potential um, customers of, of Currency Cloud uh, that are trying to get accounts in Canada is to find somebody. Um, we use uh, so Matt McGuire's our Camlo, and he owns a company called the AML Shop. They're great guys over there. Either using Matt or somebody else, but find somebody who's an expert in the, this regulatory environment, in the compliance world when it comes to money transfer, and learn everything you can from them. Rope them in to be your Camlo. And then that way, when you go to the banks, you have a lot more credibility. Like when you're building a money service business, you have to think compliance first, because even though you want to think about growth and building great tech and everything, and you do need to have that as well, I think, to build you know, a successful money service business in this day and age. But you always have to think compliance first to make sure that all your ducks are in a row. When the bank asks you any questions, you have all the documents that you need prepared. The more preparation you do and, and showing that to the bank, I think that's the best way to give them um, you know, kind of confidence in your ability. And, and that takes a lot of risk off the table for them. I think that the banks, especially the big five, they have so many businesses they're working with, you know, money service businesses are just some, some tiny little segment of, you know, a small industry in their eyes. So like not a lot of people are familiar with it. Compliance will shut it down right away. So you have to kind of educate them and help them understand that, you know, we're not some sleazy pawn shop on the corner that's, you know, and I'm not saying pawn shops are always sleazy, but you know, on the corner that's accepting cash from potentially drug dealers and stuff like that. If you build a technology-based business that doesn't accept cash and you're dealing with legitimate businesses or legitimate well-known individuals that you can transfer money for, I mean, that takes a lot of risk off the table. So once the banks, I think, start to understand that, then they're more open to it. The other problem within Canada is not too many banks are open to even working with companies like this. Uh, so we started with Zag Bank, got accounts with them. Then we got several other accounts. After we get the first one and we're operating, uh, people tend to want to work with you after that. But the big banks are still pretty, it's a pretty lengthy process. Like I know BMO's openly accepting applications. There's a cost involved. I think it's upwards of three grand. It's definitely a challenging environment, but the best thing that you can do is, like I said, like get an expert in compliance on your team. Really make sure you do a great job of like, you know, tracking everything, all your processes. And if you have all that in a row, when you go through the deeper due diligence, I'm sure at some point a bank will probably, you know, open their door to you. And, and it's sad because, you know, the industry shouldn't be this closed off, I don't think. And it actually 
you know, doing this whole, this, you know, you know, globally, they call it de-risking and everything. It makes it a more dangerous environment. Like then you have MSBs going underground, starting to deal with more cash or something. And, and you end up probably end up with more criminals out of that than you would if you actually, you know, oversaw these businesses and made sure you had, you know, the department there to kind of make sure everything's in order and everything's done correctly. So I'm hopeful that things will change in the future when they see more business models, you know, like with currency cloud services. I mean, it's phenomenal for great technology-based businesses to come in. I think once the banks see more of that, I think that, you know, that will help build confidence and then hopefully the industry grows more and ultimately it helps the consumer, right? I mean, we're all trying to build a more automated, efficient system and that way we can pass down those savings to the customers and then, you know, they're not paying these, uh, you know, high fees that they're stuck with today too, so. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, one of the things that um, I guess that we're seeing as an overall industry is that, as you mentioned, um, there are numerous different types of business models in the MSB market. Um, so do you see a need or a value of categorizing MSBs so that the banks are seeing them as a different risk approach uh, going forward? Or do you think that's something that it would be uh, off the table for them? Because I think for for the industry-wide, I mean, there are it's a completely different uh, business model from, you know, a pawn shop collecting cash um, to do transfers or, you know, something like yourself taking wires uh, and then moving them across border. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Chris. I mean, to be honest, that would make a lot of sense, right? I mean, you should categorize the MSBs into different uh, risk levels, right? Like you would any other client. I guess currently the banks are just saying extremely high risk, like, and then it gets taken to the compliance team and they typically say, oh, it's an MSB. We don't touch it. Like they'll just shut it down right away. But yeah, if you can prove to them that your business model's you know, a lot more sound, uh, you know, there's less risk involved in it. I think that they should pay more attention to that. Like I mentioned before, like we have this oligopoly in Canada. So you got the big five banks, they have a ton of other businesses they work with, lots of other lucrative, you know, businesses they can go down. Money service businesses just seem to not be as attractive to them in general. Um, ultimately, it's a little bit, you know, challenging for them too, because they have to have a business case for it. I mean, on the one hand, they're regulated, so they have to give bank accounts to presumably everybody is what they're supposed to do. And then now, but then you have this business coming in that's kind of undercutting an area of their business as well. So like, it's a tough situation, I think. And that's why I think it's important to find those kind of smaller banks that are hungry for business, that want to innovate and want to, you know, build better uh, fintech products out there. And then those banks are tend to be more susceptible to this. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that the big banks will come around. Uh, but so far, we haven't seen too much of that. So hopefully, you know, maybe with more suggestions like what you just said, Chris, maybe the banks will be able to categorize risk differently. And then hopefully, you know, different MSBs will be given opportunities like they should. Right. And there should be more competition for me in Canada, too. I mean, we've built this kind of fintech automated style uh, MSB. And there's not a lot of competition here for us. So I guess in a way it's good for, you know, the business and myself, but um, I would like to see more competition in general because I ultimately just want to help people. So it's better to have more entrance in the market because the more competition you have, it'll drive prices down and it'll just be better for the overall consumer. So that's kind of the end goal to this is to really just help the consumer. So I, I hope it happens. I hope they do uh, start categorizing it differently or, or opening up new accounts for new entrants that are coming in too. Yeah, we do too. It is the, the more we see these these business <laughs> yeah. models coming about, um, I think at, at some point there has to be this necessary um, 
vertical for this, um, you know, this uh, MSB world, this uh, internet MSB world, rather than the uh, brick and mortar MSB world. So I did want to discuss uh, before we close uh, your client base. So you did mention that you pivoted over to small uh, and medium businesses needing to do cross-border payments. If you can elaborate a bit on that, the type of clients you have and the type of prospective clients that you're looking for, um, it'll really help uh, broaden um, the verticals for us as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I can't really speak to other countries because I haven't had the time really to do analysis on our global expansion. But within Canada, we realize there's a really large but it's a very niche market. And what we call it is the micro-sized businesses. They're companies that are typically less than five years old. So they're early companies in the bank size. They don't have predictable cash flows or like strong revenue growth yet. And, uh, you know, maybe 5 million to 10 million or less in revenue um, and 10 employees or less. So these companies tend to um, be underserved because the banks don't want to give the advanced online platform to them because they don't have the proper risk models to manage it, like the automation of their risk models and everything. So instead of taking on that risk and and servicing that market correctly, they're basically saying go down to the branch so we can ID you in person when you're sending a wire and then we'll have them do the fraud checks and everything at the front lines uh, at a teller. But for a small business owner that's, you know, the chief of sales, chief financial officer, the CEO, like this individual man or woman doesn't have the time time to be running down to the bank, you know, a couple times a week just to send a wire to China because they're importing some product. You know, you have to build a more efficient system for them and allow them to, you know, have that level of convenience. And then as well, the fees tend to be really high for smaller transactions. And ultimately, it makes sense when you have manual intervention because, you know, taking, let's, for example, 1% of a $10,000 transaction is only $100. But when you get into the bigger size transactions of 100K or, or more, you know, the revenue tends to be a bit higher. So it, it makes sense to charge more percentage for the smaller stuff when it's a manual process, but especially with currency clouds automation that you guys have provided. I mean, with that level of automation, there's no reason why you can't pass down those savings down to the smaller guys as well. So we're just fortunate that we can come in and kind of, you know, help that niche market that tends to be underserved today, at least within Canada, for sure. Makes a lot of sense. Well, Jonathan, I appreciate your time today. A lot of knowledge here for our guests. Um, I guess last to wrap up, uh, what's the best way for customers to contact you directly? They can uh, go to the website and uh, if you're yeah, if you're a customer and you're looking at signing up, it's curex.com. That's C-U-R-E-X-E.com. And you can give us a call too if you'd like. It's uh, 1-888-928-7393. Um, so you can give us a shout or just you know hop on the website and, and register and then we'll contact you directly after that. So Perfect. Well, thanks again, Jonathan, for your time. A lot of, a lot of good knowledge here for future prospects, especially in Canada. So thanks again for your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Chris. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.